Hope you're excited to get a great start to your weekend by tuning in to 40% BS presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. We have new episodes releasing every Thursday. I'm 30% of the BS, Blake Beasley. What's up, guys? Spencer Mose here, 10% of the BS. And uh, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was, in va- I was on vacation <laughs> in sunny San Diego visiting my alma mater. And I'll tell you what, I could hear my phone going off from the beach, just hearing notification, notification, notification. I thought I was getting a bunch of phone calls or maybe that like an earthquake was happening. And that was the moment that like, you know, California, San Andreas was going to split. But there was something else shaking, something going on there. I checked 15 text messages all about Jalen Daniels and Kansas football while they're playing Duke. Everybody just telling me it started out with at first, oh, there's this Jalen number five on Kansas. It's pretty nice. Yo, he threw a bomb. Yo, he's nice. And I got messages saying that he should get compared to CJ Shaw, and he's a Heisman-level quarterback. You got to see him in person. How good is Jalen Daniels? I don't know if I'd hype him up that much. Uh, my roommate, a huge KU fan, rock chalk all the way. I'm a big North Carolina fan, so anything I can do to not be a Jayhawk fan, I'd love to do. Um, I'll say he's a, he's a good quarterback, but nothing that blows me out of the water. I mean, um, against K-State, I mean, against Iowa State, um, didn't really do much that game. Um, and that's the one defense that they've went up to this year that was actually a high-quality defense. I was at the Duke game. I mean, Duke's defense not good. It's a team that went winless in conference last year. <clears throat> um, they, they played a, a decent West Virginia defense um, and then an SMU team, which um, Houston, who just hasn't looked good recently. Um, but watching him in person, I mean, the guy makes, the guy makes some good throws. His QB, QBR rating was actually pretty high. Um, like the early four weeks. Yeah. But I think it took a dip after the Iowa state game. I mean, Iowa state's a hard defense to play, but like I said, they just couldn't move the ball. I mean, they didn't even score the second half and, uh, their touchdown in the first half came off a interception. So, um, once he's playing these hard nose defense, I think things will start switching for him. I think he needs to find a better way of maybe using his feet, um, and running at the line of scrimmage, but uh, I don't know. I'm not that high as everyone else was on him. I don't believe he would even be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, but those are just my thoughts on him. I think it's um, just really high time for him. And I think he'll um, – this schedule that's coming up for him will really show what he's made of. Yeah, I, I can't say I've watched him as much as I should have. I know I checked in on Duke just because I had to, and I saw 19 for 23, 324 yards. Four passing touchdowns, 83 on the ground, one touchdown. No matter who you're playing, that's a that's a heck of a skyline for a college athlete in general. I would stay, I was able to catch towards the trail end of that game because I wanted to sit down and really watch. Overall, my biggest takeaway from the Iowa State game is that I feel really bad for that kicker. That kid missed <laughs> three three game-winning kicks is some nasty work. Not three game winning, but he missed three kicks throughout. And the game winner, it might have been the worst shank kick I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, it wasn't even it wasn't even close to the beginning. They panned yeah, on his was, face before he was going out there to kick, and I was looking, and I'm like, there's no shot. Like, zero confidence, especially as a freshman trying to go out there and hit a game-winning field goal. I mean, it wasn't even long, but you see two, two off the upright to start. I mean, for a freshman, there was about a 0.5% chance he's making that field goal. Yeah, no, it was it was so wide right I, for a split second. I was watching the game outside. I thought the ball was coming. I almost ducked it. <laughs> it was it was nasty work. But overall, man, 
in general, regardless, at one point this year, a common, we won't say bet, we'll say a common thing people look at is, can KU win two football games on the entire year? Here they are 5-0, and college game day, pulling up to Lawrence, Kansas for the first time ever for them to play another 5-0 and TCU. There's a lot of hype around this KU team. Do you believe it? Um, you know, I'm living in Kansas City right now, so it's kind of funny how – I mean, I'll give my roommate props. He's probably the only Kansas football fan I know. But other than that, it's like, it's like these people are popping up out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I'm at work and people are saying, oh, my God, I'm a big Jayhawks fan. Go Jayhawks. Like, I'm a Nebraska fan. I come from Nebraska. So you either ride with them or you die with them. I mean, we sell out 90,000 deep whether we win two games that season or nine and we make a bowl game. I, I, I don't even know the last time we made a bowl game. It was with Bo Pelini. Um, but I will say they very overachieved this year. Um, they blew out, blew out of the water. Their win, win total at the beginning of year or two that you were saying, and they're at five already. Um, my thoughts are seven is the number where I don't know if they can get to. Uh, I have them at probably one to two more wins this season. Um, but, I mean, th- three games in a row at home is, is huge for college football, and then they have a big road test. Um, but I think this weekend is going to be a huge test against them with TCU. I mean, Max Duggan, who's a great quarterback, uh, can throw and run the ball. So I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. but. I think TCU pulls it off. I think the one thing that you have to take into college football is these players probably haven't as had this big of an atmosphere around them. Um, just putting college game day in perspective, I mean, if you're thinking about it, these are 18-year-olds. I mean, they're younger than us. They're 18 to 22-year-olds that are playing, and they have a lot of hype around them. I mean, I don't even know if you saw, but my sister was on Instagram after the game, and a lot of the KU football players were on like Instagram Live like going crazy, and I think I think at some point they come back down to the earth. I mean, they're they're a good football team, but nothing great that I've seen. Yeah, and one thing that could be working massively against them, they might have the next toughest three weeks in all of college football. In all honesty, you got TCU major matchup, 5-0, 5-0. You survived that. I don't know which one comes first, but they got to see Oklahoma State, who's a top-ranked team, and Baylor, another top 25-ranked team, all consecutively in a row. If they can survive that, we might be talking about Kansas playing in the college football playoffs. Overall, shout out Kobe Bryant. He's a great defensive back, a freshman too. Luke Grimm dominating the air. Devin Neal dominating the ground. Personally, I'm happy for KU. First time 5-0 and and since 2007. And also, I just love to kind of see the atmosphere, kind of see teams that normally wouldn't win. I love to see them rush the field and go crazy overall. See kids in the wheel and the hawk and all that stuff. But overall, I agree with you. I don't think KU is going to last long term. I do think they're going to be a bold team. But I think their absolute ceiling is like making the Fiesta Bowl, which would be not not the playoff one, but like just playing in the non-ranked, you know, the Fiesta yeah. ranked around then. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting. Switching gears towards the NBA. So earlier on this podcast, we discussed players we would want to go in a fight with. In 2000, from the 2000, 2000s, I said Ron Artest, uh, Spencer, you said Shaquille O'Neal. 2020 sleeper Draymond Green took a shot at Jordan Peele. <laughs> not like not like a shot, like a literal jump shot. We're talking, I don't know if it's to the chest or to the face or what, but Warriors had to break it up. Draymond's in trouble. He issued an apology. He also issued a statement from the source. This is your favorite player, Spencer. What's your thoughts on Draymond, the fighter Green, and what's happening in Golden State? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not always the greatest thing to hear. Um, but as you know, it's Draymond Green. I mean, tempers flare, tempers flare around him regardless of what's happening. Um, but there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talks that have been going around that this was coming up for a while now, weeks in advance, that they were kind of, as you know, they're they're both heading, heading into contract years and the Golden State Warriors have come out and saying, we don't want to lose Jordan Poole to anything. Like, we want to give him a, a lo- like a long contract extension. Um, but I think Draymond's in a real interesting position with, this year left on his contract and he doesn't know really what he wants. Well, he doesn't really have the option of what he wants to do, but the team doesn't really know what they want to do because he wants to have that max contract extension. And I don't know if there's going to be enough room or cap space on their team to have them, have them there for that long with so much of a, so much money that is going to be giving out, but just based on the fight itself, I mean, Draymond's going to talk. He uh, I've heard some things. um, Some sources were saying on, Twitter and ESPN saying that Jordan Poole is calling him a, a walking uh, triple single. And so I thought that was kind of funny initially. And then he, he like bricked a shot and it hit Kerr and Jordan Poole was talking some other stuff. And I think if a, if a young guy is going to talk to a veteran like that, I mean, uh, although I don't like that he's starting a punch with him, but I don't mind them getting aggressive and getting up in his face or anything. I mean, that's just who Draymond is. So if, if he's going to do that against other other teams, you you better expect him to do it in practice. I mean, practice is where tempers are going to fly all the time. I remember playing in college, Blake. We had, I mean, there were so many fights our year um, playing college basketball in practice, and I mean, there's some funny funny moments, but I don't I don't make too much of it. I mean, I I get that Draymond's apologetic, and Curry came out and said he needed to be apologetic, so it must have been pretty bad. But I mean, you've seen him and Draymond Draymond and Jordan Poole get in fights during an NBA game. Uh, before where they have altercations on the sideline and Jordan Poole said you know what it's Draymond Green you know you know his personality you kind of just have to let everything get off his chest and then go from there and if he keeps talking then maybe tell him like dude shut up like let's just play basketball instead but I don't mind too much about it I mean he is my favorite player so maybe I have some bias against against that but I think everything will be fine. The first positive spin I would take on it is the fact that and honestly, and this could sound crazy, coming off of a championship, I'm okay there at least. They're competing to the point where they're fighting in practice. That at least shows they're not complacent. They're not thinking, okay, we're just going to walk to back and back. We're all good. And then I'm kind of interested in the whole power dynamic with this thing too, because it's always kind of been a big three. And then now it's not the big three. It's the Splash Brothers or the pool party where you see Jordan Poole maybe coming in on a little bit of Draymond Green's territory. And then, like you said, with the contract, the only thing that kind of bothers me or that I think could be an issue is just how they've handled the aftermath of this because Draymond came out, he apologized, but he also said that there, you know, a source said that Jordan Poole's kind of been a jerk lately and he's been a little cocky because this is a guy thinking about it two years ago. If you're Draymond, I'm team captain. This is a guy, a G League player who barely gets rotation. Now, you know, two years later, we're on the same level and this guy might be getting my money. So I could see that type of arguing coming in. But what I didn't think that was really good was the fact that they mentioned the sources and then Andre Gudala was like, oh, that source isn't reliable. And the source came from Draymond. So now you're getting into a bit of he say, she say between probably the two oldest players on the team. I think that is a little bit alarming. That's a little bit questioning. And I think the Warriors should be worried about that. But overall, fights happen in basketball practices all the time. I don't think this is going to derail them. This won't be the thing that prevents them from winning the championship. 
because they won't, but this will definitely, this won't hurt them long-term. I do think that it's something that they do need to fix, though, between the whole having your two oldest players have contradicting results on an argument. Yeah, no, I totally get that. The one thing that I'll say is, um, like, just reading and hearing everything that Andre has said over the past years, I mean, Iggy and Draymond's relationship goes way, way far back. I mean, they've been through this thing uh, since it really started. And they've grown to each other. They're basically brothers now. So I don't mind them fighting at all. I mean, um, you're, you're not always going to see eye to eye with the people um, you're playing with. And especially it's a business at the end of the day. So, I mean, they're there to make money. But one of, one of the greatest strengths um, that Iggy as a player is, I think, is leadership that is, has been dictated on the court, especially last season. I think heading into this season, him coming back to the team was a real a real big trust aspect for him. I, Dante DiVincenzo came out and said, like, Iggy, I really want you to be part of this team again. I think it just shows Iggy's leadership. And I think under their, under their realm, it's, a, it's an old team, um, a very established team. And, and so I think they'll figure it out along the way. But I think, I think you do – I think Steve Kerr maybe needs to have a talk with Draymond or Curry and Iggy. But I think it has to come from maybe Iggy and – and Curry more so than Kerr, just coming from a, a player and more of a friend than, than a coach. Yeah, I agree 100%. With these type of situations, it's kind of, you want to make sure you're not immediately seeming like you're taking someone's side. And at this point in their relationship too, this for sure has to be year 10. I would really hope so, because I kind of hope this whole Warriors thing ends pretty soon. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> it's year 10. If it is, at year 10, I would hope you'd have the relationship to your coach where you could just come up to him. And talk to him for real. But speaking of teams trying to dethrone the Warriors, we got Damian Lillard. It's been 276 days since he's touched, since he's played in an NBA game. Ben Simmons, 470 days. Kawhi Leonard, 476. Zion Williamson, 500. It hurts me to say, 518 days. Jamal Murray, 539. John Wall, 532. Of all those players who have missed near 300 days some of them near 550 who are you most excited to see come back opening day and play some basketball I would probably just just for the franchise itself I would have to go with Zion Williamson I mean this is a number one overall pick who the Pelicans took and everyone in New Orleans had high hopes for right away and especially uh, coming into the draft people were worried about maybe he's going to be injury prone because of his size but it looks like he's shed a few pounds and like even naturally just seeing him on TV, he looks more, I don't even know if you could be more fit as Zion Williamson, but he looks more, I would say, toned and not as bulky as he originally was. But I have to say, as coming out of college, the most probably hyped up player since LeBron James. I mean, you have to, you have to want to see him play again. Uh, and it's been way too long. And the first game that I saw him in the preseason, I mean, he's up there just dunking. I mean, he had a rip through on the baseline. He, caught it at the block, ripped through, to, ripped through to his right and just dunked. And, I mean, it's great to see. But I, I want to see what John Wall – I mean, you haven't seen John Wall play in ages, and I want they paid him so much money that I kind of want to see what he's still like and if he's still up to par. But, I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of people that I want to see as well. I mean, how the whole Dun Denver Nuggets is going to come back. You have Michael Porter Jr. coming back as well. And so – I think there's just a lot of a lot of things on the table and so many great players that were injured last year that are are coming back and it's going to be a fun NBA season. I can't, I can't wait. 
Yeah, personally, even just reading these names, I have positive memories of all these players. I love all these players except for Jamal Murray. I think I'll say it. I think Jamal Murray is overrated. Just the fact that he was up for they were trying to trade for prime James Harden, and they said no, 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 because we want to keep Jamal Murray. That's what Denver said. Jamal Murray's never averaged 20 points per game. I just want to throw that out there. It's a wild stat because a lot of people have. But either way, you know, thinking about a lot of these other guys, Kawhi Leonard, first of all, it makes the Clippers an immediate contender. Ben Simmons, I want to see him getting revenge. People have been throwing dirt on Ben's name. He's coming out hungry. He's ready to play Damian Lillard, Mr. Logo, playoff sensation. Been watching him since Weber State. He just makes playoff basketball more fun. I know I can, no offense to the Portland Trailblazers, I know I could watch a two versus seven or a one versus eight, and they're going to be the low seed, and I'm going to watch them fight with the big dogs because that's the type of player Damian Lillard is. John Wall, man, I mean, just my inner child. For how the way people feel about Reggie Bush in college football is the way I feel about John Wall in college basketball. I don't know if I ever had as much fun just watching someone in my childhood being that talented, being that gifted, coming out, hitting the Dougie on opening day, hitting a (laughs) game winner in his first college game. He's a literal legend. So seeing him play basketball is going to be a lot of fun. And even if you combined all these guys and put all their games on in one big game, I'm not tuning in. I'm watching my man Zion Williamson purely because I need the haters to stop hating on me when it comes to this kid. I wrote an article reminding people how good Zion Williamson was and how he was going to come back very soon and take over the NBA again. That article I read, it's 276 days old. And that was me talking about how it's been a while since we've seen him play and he's going to come back. And now that article is 276 days old. That article I'm pretty sure one of these guys, no, Damian Lillard, the last time Damian Lillard played was the same day I released this article, and he's on that same list as Zion. I mean, let's just look at the facts. The last month, Zion played 28 points per game, four assists, seven rebounds, 60% shooting, which is just the most underrated aspect. He is the most efficient scorer I have seen in my entire life. He tied prime Shaq record with 26 consecutive games of having 20 points or more on 50% shooting. He ends up not being able to break it. He has a game with like 12 points or so. So what does he do over the next two games? 37.5 points per game, 12 rebounds, six assists, 67% shooting from the field. And this is all from a guy who is 20 years old, not even old enough to legally drink a beer. He's literally a freak of nature. He makes every game way more exciting. He was the eighth leading scorer in the NBA. And also there's a large misconception with him too. Everyone loves the year John Morant had last year. John Morant played in 63 games last year. And Zion Williamson played in 61. So the whole talk uh, the year before. So the whole talk of, well, Zion puts up great numbers, but it's over a short period of time. That's just not true. Zion Williamson, anytime he, I'm pretty sure, because I watched every game he played at Duke. Everybody did because he was such a show. It's been, I've watched him since his junior year at Spartanburg Academy. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen Zion Williamson play a bad basketball game. Straight up. Every game he's played, and he's either not getting enough minutes or he's not getting enough touches. But it's never Zion's fault because he is just that gifted. And the fact that now he's joining a team with the Pelicans. When he left, they were just horrible. And now he's joining a Pelicans group. CJ McCollum, Devontae Graham, Grand Theft Alvarado, Jackson Hayes, B.I., Valanchunas, this is a team that beat the Phoenix Suns for two games when, the, when it was impressive to beat the Phoenix Suns. Now it's not. But at the time, that was a big deal. And Zion can join in, and they can become an immediate playoff team. 
basketball becomes more fun. Fans come in and watch because they want to see what he's going to do. This guy's an absolute talent. He's an absolute star. I've been waiting for him to not take over Luka Doncic's league, but, you know, maybe still a title or two. And this is the beginning of a long and hopefully fruitful run for Zion Williams. I don't even think basketball is better off without him. I think the entire sports world is. I know ESPN is because every time he catches the ball, you're just going to hear, da-na-na-na-na-na, because that's the type of player he is. He's so exciting. I love him. I'm so happy he's back. I can't even minimize how excited I am to watch this guy play basketball. No, yeah, I mean, I think you hit a spot on. It's crazy because he was he was forgotten. I mean, nothing was said of him. Everyone's just like, oh, I don't think he could play. Even even myself, I was like, oh, he's going to be injury prone. You know, he's got he got too much weight. The way he's jumping, his knees are gonna knees are gonna fold at some point in time. But just to be back in the game, and you you have to think about this is their this is their job at the end of the day. Their job is basketball. I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars to do this, whether you agree with it or not. But I mean, it's basketball at the end of the day. It's Zion Williamson. It's gonna bring it's gonna bring fans around the nation filling up Pelicans Arena. I mean, what can you not love about this kid? I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm so ready to see him in action. And I think it's been way too long since he's played a basketball game. I can remember him still in college, and I forget about the times that he was playing in the NBA because I felt felt like it was so such short lived. But even seeing his first preseason game, I mean, I'm so ready for him to be back and making a statement on the court. And especially like you were saying with the, with the team he's now coming back to, I mean, they have a, they have a chance to get like top four in the, in the West and really make a, a run at things the way that BI and CJ are playing. And um, you add him in there as well. Uh, I think it, it, it's, it's a good team. It's, it's probably an, a team that you, you wouldn't initially think about as make, maybe contenders, at the end of the day for a Western conference title, but I wouldn't throw it out of the water. I mean, it's going to be a great team. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Speaking about making statements at first, I was going to ask about LeBron James going over seven, but the King already proved us good and going his next preseason game, 21 points in the first half, five assists, three rebounds, 80% field goal percentage. It's business as usual for LeBron, but there is two different people who have struggled massively in NBA preseason, which I just saw. Ben Simmons, which can't believe I'm already saying his name in the word struggle. It's game two. I don't know if you've been checking in with the Nets right now. He has six turnovers before the start of the fourth quarter. What is more concerning? The fact that this guy's job, he's on the Nets not to score. They said, perfectly fine. Your only job is to facilitate. The man has six turnovers in a preseason game where people are probably not even playing their toughest defense or the fact that the Phoenix Suns lost to the 36ers. I would love to say where they're from. I don't even know. The Suns probably didn't either. From Australia. You, they know now. Australia, NBL. Okay, so what's more concerning? Ben Simmons, six turnovers, maybe not living up to the hype, especially with the past offseason he's had in the past year he's had, or the fact that the Suns lost to the 36 a league where Andrew Bogut was borderline an MVP. This is, you guys, this is going to be crazy to say, but I don't think either one is crazy for for me to see, and I don't think I don't think either one is putting me the wrong way. I mean, you see the 36ers come in and beat the Suns as what twenty some point underdogs. I think they were like twenty eight point underdogs, but I don't mind seeing that anymore. We played college basketball. You know how good people are. There's there's obviously a numerous amount of NBA players that are overseas that just haven't gotten their shot yet. Basketball is becoming. Um, 
more put together and people are getting closer to the bottom tier NBA players, but people can have a good game, especially if you're playing in the NBL. I mean, it's probably one of the closer divisions to the NBA. Um, a lot of, a lot of people are coming from the NBL or former NBA players are going to the NBL, but I don't mind seeing it at all. I, th I think the gap's closing. I'm not saying I mean, there's a difference between the NBA and other, other teams. Um, but there, the gap is closing and you could see it, especially if we're playing college basketball, I mean, what three people in our conference are now playing in the NBA. Um, and that was at a division at division two level. Um, so I think I don't, I don't mind it. I, I mean, I have a hard time thinking the Suns were fully focused coming in this game. One, it's a preseason game Two, you're what 28 point favorites and three. I mean, at the end of the day, who really cares? I mean, they don't really care. They're getting their money regardless. Um, in terms of in terms of Ben Simmons, I mean, you you'll expect the turnovers to happen as as he's coming back. I, I know from touching a ball, touch, not touching a ball for a long time, and you haven't been putting those game scenarios. You're gonna have stupid mistakes. You're gonna have careless errors. Uh, you're playing in the NBA where all those errors are coming. And again, it's a preseason game. He probably doesn't care, but he wants to show what he can do. Um, he has been struggling, but. I mean, you're going to have turnovers if you have the ball in your hands that much on that team, especially um, with the Brooklyn Nets, with Kyrie not playing tonight. Um, but six, like you said, I mean, six turnovers, like, dear God. I mean, that's that's a little too many for me. I'd like to see it around two or three. Um, but six six turnovers is way too much, especially what he's six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. Yeah, so like I was saying, I, I don't think too much of the whole Ben Simmons thing. I'd like him to not have so many turnovers. Uh, in a preseason game, but I think it's just trying to get back in the flow of things. This is a new team that he's playing for and all the time off. He hasn't been playing in a, in a open setting or game, game realistic setting that he is now. So I don't, I don't think too much of it. Yeah. I don't think too much in the Ben Simmons thing either, especially with LeBron James and the whole over seven at that point, I was thinking, well, that's LeBron James. He has nothing left to prove. It doesn't matter. Someone who does have something to prove though. I do think, first of all, I'm wearing a sun shirt. Just to let Suns fans know, I don't mean to be this hard on you, but you deserve it. Okay, so I have a question for you. So, realistically, what's going to be the most embarrassing loss of preseason? Oh, this will be the most embarrassing loss. What was the most embarrassing loss of the entire NBA season last year? It might have been the Suns. It was the Suns. What was the most embarrassing in the last 20 years? Probably the Suns. You know what my issue with the Phoenix Suns is? How do those happen the last two times you play at home is the two most embarrassing losses that happen. One in preseason, one maybe in NBA history. The last time you were on this court, the Luka Doncic literally signed off. I knew the Suns weren't going to have an owner because Luka already had, he already owns the team. Luka went off, dominated the Phoenix Suns, scored more than they did in a half. Everybody likes to talk tough when they're up. Shut down Devin Booker. Booker only shot twice in that half. Chris Paul only shot once. It was personally the most embarrassing playoff loss I have seen in any sport. It gave fans all around the state of Arizona just being kind of worried about the Suns, cooled off all the confidence, and those same fans decided enough time has passed. Luka can't hurt us anymore. He's not in this game. You know what? I'm excited to see this team again. Let me go buy some tickets so I can watch the 36ers beat us. This is their second game in a row. It's, it's embarrassing. And again, credit to the 36ers, credit to Craig Randall. I'm glad he was the guy to do it. He is a Phoenix person. Um, fun fact, Craig Randall ruined my 16th birthday. 
100%. Because, and then just a little side story for this, Craig Randall, he was the heart and soul of the 36ers in that victory over the Phoenix Suns. He had 35 points. He looked like a version. He looked like Luca in a different color. Like nobody could guard him. He was just undefeated. He was an amazing player. So my sophomore year of high school, I couldn't play. I transferred to my school because I was ineligible because I was a transfer. On my birthday, we played Craig Randall and Shadow Mountain Coach My Bike Baby, a team that I'm pretty sure won 50 games in a row, untouchable, unbeatable. Opening play of the game, and this is when I knew it was over. They threw an alley-oop, tip off. Somebody catches it. I think Mike Jr. throws the alley-oop to Craig Randall. Absolute body. They won by 70. I didn't play. They won by 70. People tried to sing me happy birthday on the bus ride home, and our coach was like, stop. No singing. We just lost by 70. So I didn't, I didn't get a happy birthday song. So that was the last time I watched Craig Randall play basketball in the state of Arizona. And I thought, man, he really, you just really embarrassed him out there. Second time I watched Craig Randall play basketball in the state of Arizona against, against the Phoenix Suns. And I had the same thought of, man, he really embarrassed him out there. Firstly, I am worried about the Phoenix Suns. I have reason to be worried as well because the whole relationship between DeAndre Ayton and Coach Monty Williams not looking very healthy. Have you seen what's been happening between those two behind the behind the doors, behind closed doors? Are you asking me that question? Yeah. No, I have not. Okay, so um, they haven't talked. There's a little interview. The little passes. Let's just remind her. Game seven was the same game where Coach Aiton. First of all, it doesn't help the fact that the guy who is embarrassing you is the guy who you took you drafted Aiden over Luca and Luca's the one who's embarrassing you and owning your franchise. Then it goes next, uh, Aiden check in the game. That's what Monty said. Nope. Aiden refused to check back in the game. That's the last time we saw him and associated with the Suns. Then later on, they have an interview. They asked coach Monty Williams, um, to talk about the Suns future. He lists every single player with major minutes under the age of 25, except for Deandre Aiden. So the beef wasn't doing well. Aiden openly tried to leave and go to Indiana. Suns bought him out, brought him back home. His first interview, day one, back with the Phoenix Suns in his nice black Suns practice jersey. They have a conversation. They say, well, we saw you and Coach Monty. You didn't get along great last time you were around. Have you mended the relationship? And how's your conversations been this offseason? I haven't talked to Monty since game seven. That is massively concerning. I think that's really bad. Then they follow up with, well, a fan got, uh, I mean, not a fan, a reporter got bold enough to ask this question. He was like, um, are you happy to be here, Aiton? And Aiton gave the same answer. Every guy who's ever had to go grocery shopping with their mom or flower shopping with their girlfriend just while the game's on during a Sunday, just doing something they clearly don't want to do. Are you happy to be here? Well, I'm here, aren't I? And <laughs> that's not what a disgruntled boyfriend said. That's what DeAndre Aiton said in regards to his position in Phoenix. Are you happy to be back as with the Suns? I'm here, aren't I? So with that happening and then their first game losing to the 36ers, it makes me feel nervous. Should we be worried about those two personally? Um, personally, I'd probably I would worry more about that relationship with Monty more than that, more than the game. I was just looking more at the stats of the Phoenix Suns game. I just pulled them up here. The, the 36ers shot. 56% from three, making 24 threes. They shot 56% from the field, 90% from the line. They're right now, as we speak, they're playing Oklahoma City. The 36ers are now shooting 39 from the field and 30% from three. 
So it's that's that's what happens. The basketball upsets happen. You see them all the time, especially in March Madness. I mean, look when Virginia played uh, UMBC and UMBC. UMBC, UMBC goes on a run and beats Virginia by 20. I mean, whoever saw that one happening? There's just things like this where it's an, an anomaly in basketball. It's not meant to happen, but it does happen. And um, They were probably on cloud, cloud nine beating the Suns, and they come out here and lay an egg when everyone's high on them versus the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder, and you really see who they are. I mean, if, if they were this good of a team and if I was nervous about the Suns losing to them, I would you would think that, oh, the 36ers are probably – one of the best overseas teams in the land, but they're, they're just not, uh, I think they're, they're back to who they are tonight shooting 38% from the field. I mean, that's, if you're, if you're an NBA team 30, shooting 38% of the field, you, you suck. So, I mean, that's that. Speaking about teams potentially sucking because there might be a tankathon happening in the NBA. I know you tuned in. I tuned in as well. Victor Wembenyama or I don't yeah. know, say Victor W or Wemby. Yeah, people have been calling him. Wemby and Scoot Henderson, man, the two top prospects faced off. One hailing from Florida, the I mean, uh, from France. The other hailing from Marietta, Georgia. One six two, the other seven four. What do you think of that matchup overall and that rivalry? And what do you think of the game? So they played again today, but I was watching the one beforehand. I think it was uh, yesterday or two days ago. Uh, it was probably one of the better games that I've seen in a while. I mean. Uh, the France team was down probably 17 and came back. Victor had a huge third quarter. But what I was impressed most about, other than being impressed totally by Victor, I mean, you're 7-4 and you're doing these things like a point guard is. I mean, today you, you saw him shoot a fadeaway from the corner and then pull up from Curry range and knock down another tray ball. But what I was most impressed with, and I think even Scoot was impressed most about himself, was the way that he was passing and facilitating in that game, especially when they got down two or three. Um, in the mid midway through the fourth, I think it was the way he was facilitating. I think he ended with eight assists, but last year I was watching him in the G league and he's more of a scoring guard. I mean, he's looking to finish around the rim over, over centers and trying to get his in a way to, to feed into his number one or number two pick in the NBA draft, which he should be the number two. If it's not even it hands down, go to Victor. Um, but just the way he was playmaking uh, really brought my eyes being, being a point guard in college and, and knowing kind of what it takes, getting your other teammates into it. I mean, just, just the camaraderie that it has around this G League Ignite team. I mean, they haven't even played together. Yes, or two days ago was their first game together, and they, they were gelling like they had been playing in their in midseason form. So that's probably what I was most impressed about. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than Victor should be the number one overall pick. It shouldn't even be close. If I were, if I were a team that didn't think I had a chance at making the playoffs – I would not even try to win a game. But at the same time, you're only getting what, like a 25% chance of hitting the lottery. So it's totally different now than what it used to be as the, as the worst team would get the number one overall pick. So it's, it's kind of hard because you're going to get one through five or whatever. Um, but, uh, man, I would want him immediately on my team. Yeah, personally, I love his confidence. He has what is now, I would say, we mentioned the Geno Smith, they wrote me, I never wrote back. Second, second new quote now where I'm like, this is absolutely fire. Victor being asked about Scoot Henderson before the game. He's a really great player. If I was never born, he should be the first pick. That is so hard. I'm sorry. That is just a very bold thing to say. And then they further asked him, he, Victor said openly, 
oh, this is, he knew that this was the most important game of his life. He said this was the most important game of his life. This is a kid who got trained by Rudy Gobert to show out defensively. And what do we see in the most important game of his life? He gets five blocks. I think he had, I know he had over 30 points. Yeah, it was like 37, I think. Yeah, and the thing that impressed me the most as well, too, seven threes from a guy who is seven four and he has an eight-foot wingspan. So first of all, the release point on those threes, too. But it's not the fact that he made those threes, and it's not the fact that he attempted those threes. What really impressed me, and you know this, there's like a Manute Bowl three. Like, Manute Bowl hits seven threes in a game before, but it's like, oh, let's back up. Everybody 10 feet off. He does it all so smoothly and effortlessly, and he legitimately is moving like a guard, like a basketball player, and it looks all so natural for Victor. And, man, if he can stay healthy, I believe this is the best prospect I've personally in terms of seeing how high his ceiling, how high his ceiling could be, I can't imagine anybody coming in with a ceiling that looks as high as Victor's. I mean, Zion is an amazing player. He's a freak athlete. He's a great person overall. But seven four hitting step back threes, bringing the ball up the court, running point—it's something I've never seen before. And I don't know if I'll ever see it again. Hopefully, I will in the future. But when I watch Victor play more and more, and in terms of Scoot, I will say this. I'm a big scoop guy. I'm not as big as everybody else. I think he's overrated a little bit. Just because I heard people saying, oh, well, this is the best consolation prize we've ever seen. Like, Scoot's the best number two overall pick we've ever seen. Really? Like, he's a 6'2 guard who shot 26% from three last year. It, you're going to struggle in the league a bit if you're kind of small and you can't really shoot that well. Again, I think Scoot's going to be a great player. I see him being like a little a Russell Westbrook type guy overall but man I I don't I saw people saying oh well like in previous years is Scoot a better prospect than Ja Morant knowing how good Ja is now I don't think Scoot's Ja Morant level I think that's a little disrespectful to Ja by any means but what I love about Scoot man that guy's just a competitor first of all he wasn't trying to just score there were plays I know you saw he went between his legs has he oh Victor's at the rim bet charges right towards him he wants that matchup. He could score, and it looked like, at least in this game, he worked on his jump shot a lot. He's able to score at all three levels, and if he can fix that jump shot, Scoot's going to make an NBA franchise really happy, even though they will be sad because they'll be missing out on someone as talented as Victor, who I think is just – I think the absolute world of Victor W. Man. I, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't. Yeah, no, I fully agree with what you're saying here. I mean, I think that he could be overrated in a way. I know there he has more fluidity with – Throughout his jump shot, it looks a lot better than it did last year, although I wasn't watching much of him last year. I have seen some highlights. <clears throat> but I'm not sure who else is in that draft class. I know uh, – I don't know if it's going to be a down year in the draft or not, but he is a good player. He is very aggressive. When someone was asking me who who I could most compare him to in the, in the NBA, my first thought was Ja Morant just because of the tenacity he's playing with. And he's – He's very athletic, not as athletic as I'd say John Morant is, but he looks to be a better shooter than John Morant. I mean, and in today's NBA games, people don't give John Morant that much respect from three. You were seeing it in Golden State's matchup. They kind of just let him shoot. If he's going to come off a ball screen and shoot, yeah, so be it. Once you make three or four, then I'll start really closing out. But it's not someone who you're going to try to chase off the line. You're more worried about him getting downhill, drawing fouls, uh, going up and under over the uh, throughout the rim. But I think, I think this is going to be a good for Scoot to get this high praise to start off with. So I think it's only going to make him 
push for much more and especially playing against Victor right away. I think there's a lot of, a lot more skills that need to be developed before entering the NBA. I mean, you said he's six, two, so he's already, already going to be at a dis- disadvantage to begin with, but the, the ceiling is pretty high for both of them. So I'd love to see it. You haven't seen anything like Victor since probably KD and it's the only, only matchup you could probably compare him to unless you're comparing him to like a Chet or a Porzingis in a way. But I mean, just moving like a guard, you, I mean, he's almost two feet taller than me. So it's pretty crazy. I know he, he's special. What else is special? It's time for personally my favorite part of the show, the wheel where we spin. We have a lot of different random choices available. One is random games and the other is kind of random names. So it's time to get the wheel going. Pretty hyped for it. And let's see what we get. Ooh, finally, man. I, I, fast food. Oh. Our first non-sports one. Let's go. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I'm a cost of problems. Overrated, underrated. So Ooh. We'll just do all right. I got this is something I've been thinking about too. We'll go back and forth and drop. You want to start out with we'll do two each. So two overrated. I pick two overrated. You pick two overrated and two underrated. Two underrated. Yeah. That's fine. All right. So I went first last time. I know that. Um so you can go. We're going, you can pick one for overrated or underrated. What do you got? Hmm. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the most chains that everyone would know. I'm going to have to go that the McDonald's breakfast is highly underrated. When I was, a, when I was a kid, I mean, this is America for you that McDonald's is underrated, but whatever, this is America. We're fat, but whatever. Um, McDonald's food really slaps. I mean, their, their breakfast is really good. I, I always went with eggs, sausage, and like a hash brown or something. And it was, it was the go-to people love the McGriddle. Haven't really grown to like it. I don't really like syrup in a biscuit. I don't really get the whole point of that. But like a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich, I'll, I'm a type of person that'll have breakfast for lunch, dinner, I don't know, midnight snack, early morning. Well, I don't get up early in the morning to have breakfast. But I think that it's underrated. A lot of people would probably say it's overrated just because it's McDonald's. But I think if, if you're going to have a go-to breakfast from a fast food joint, this is probably the top one you're going to go to. Uh- for me, first of all, I love McDonald's breakfast. Uh, even the fact that chicken one, it makes makes eating fried chicken for breakfast feel okay. Going to McDonald's there already. <laughs> but man, I I had it yesterday. Most underrated. I've tweeted about it too. Wendy's, man. I, I don't know why people <laughs> are so sleeping on Wendy's, bro. The biggie bag is a revolution. First of all, five dollars, and I can get a burger. I could get a chicken sandwich, maybe. I could get four nuggets. They can be normal. They can be spicy. Doesn't matter. I just like the fact that it's $5 and I still get a choice because I love the phrase beggars aren't choosers. If I'm trying to get like a burger, nuggets and fries and a drink for five bucks, I certainly seem like a beggar, but I'm actually the chooser. Like yesterday I was sitting in line, I asked the man and it was a Hail Mary out. There's no chance of it happening. Kind of similar to when the Packers were playing the Patriots. Tried that little pitch behind with five seconds left. I sat there and I was like, any chance I could replace this drink with a Frosty? Yes. That's all I got to say. Underrated, man. Underrated. I'm hammering it. I hope one day we get big enough to be endorsed by Wendy's. And if we do, man, I will make you guys bankrupt. That's how much I love you. So thank you. All right. We can go now. Overrated one. So we'll go back and forth on it. 
Who you got? First pick, overrated. You know, you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going the this, – uh, I'm going to go with the four for four. Yes, it is very overrated. I think the size of the burger that you're getting is horrible. I mean, it is $4, so I, I understand you get four nuggets. Those nuggets are like quarter-sized and a small fry. I mean, I totally understand why it's $4, but I usually, I usually would get this before, I'm, before I go golf. If I need something in a hurry, you know, four dollars. Yeah, I can get up some loose change and get a get a four dollar. I don't know. You just go to Wendy's and grab it. But um, by the third hole, man, my stomach hurts. It is growling because it's starving still. Like you want to fill someone up, put two patties on that thing. Put, put three. I mean, it's like this big. It's the size of a cup. I understand why it's four dollars, but for me, it's very. Very overrated. A lot of people like it. I'll still get it, but highly overrated. It's worth maybe worth the four dollars, but I'd rather be paying five, six to get a little bit more food. And by the third hole, I made my stomach shot. You got to get something on the turn. Ninth hole is coming around. I got to go grab another hot dog because I'm starving already. Um, and I'm riding in a cart, taking a couple swings every hole. So, I mean, for me, it's overrated, but I, I see a lot of people love it. Oh, man. This one, first of all, I just want to, before I say my overrated one, I want to say I love Popeyes as an establishment. I eat it all the time. There's only one reason why I'm saying it's overrated. I won't get into this because I'm not going to make fun of someone dying. But someone died over a chicken sandwich <laughs> at Popeyes. Someone lost their life over that chicken sandwich, which is probably $7. It tastes really good. First of all, I love that sandwich. It's amazing. Someone died for it. It has to be overrated. There's no way, like, it's worth... Popeye's is fire. Eagles are fire. Kendrick Lamar's fire. I'm not dying for any of the three. But somehow, somebody made the active choice to... First of all, somebody killed over it to get a sandwich from Popeye's, and someone else died for Popeye's. The fact that someone lost their life over Popeye's, I have to make it overrated, because I can't fathom a chicken sandwich tasting that good where it's just, you know what? It was worth it. Like, no, it, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. All right. So, underrated. Last pick, underrated. Oh, my God. I don't have to ask a question for this. What's the place in Iowa that I like their burritos? Taco John's. No, it's in Iowa. What's your Qdoba place? Poncheros. The most underrated slept on thing that no one outside of Iowa knows about. I traveled there. This was the best tasting place. I mean, it might be better than Chipotle. It's up there with how good this thing is. The way they make their burritos. So when you go to Chipotle, they just throw everything on there and it's all clumped together. So when you take a bite, you might be getting all cheese. Next bite, you might be getting like all salsa and maybe you'll get some chicken in there. The next bite, next bite is all chicken and you can't get a taste of anything. Poncheros, you go there, no questions asked. You get a burrito. They mix that thing up as you're going along, getting your chicken and whatever else you want in the thrown around. I mean, great customer service. Their customer service, top to bottom, is amazing. It's like it's like being at Chick Fil A. You get a uh, get a smiling face as soon as you're out the window. You feel you feel like you're great for ordering from them. I mean, you're basically losing money if you don't buy what they're selling. And so. Poncheros, if I'm not getting it mistaken, that's the that's the chain from Iowa. I'd love to see them go nationwide, 
but also I'm going to have, I'm going to have to add another, another one. If I can't Casey's pizza, do you have Casey's around you? No, you've never had Casey's pizza. It's, it's a gas station. It's like, it's similar to like a quick, Oh, well, they're starting to make their way around. I know in Nebraska, they're going crazy in Iowa. They're big too. And they're starting to make their way across the Midwest, but this pizza is fire. I know I, I loved come and go pizza to start, especially come and go's hot dogs, but wow. Casey's pizza. I know, I know Portnoy did a review on Casey's pizza said it wasn't the best, but at the end of the day, it's gas station pizza. You're either one drunk when you're having it Two, it's early in the morning when you're having breakfast pizza or three, you're, you're probably in between meals, trying to go to work, maybe a little bit hungry, a slice of pizza will tide you over great price. Great, not much sauce on it, but it's amazing. That's a good one. Um, if I had to choose, I'll do one locally just as a shout out to them. Um, I can't call them underrated just because Zaxby's is so good. First of all, I was watching Atlanta, the show episode. One of the episodes borderline revolved around Zaxby's. If you listen to Callcast and Migos, uh, I don't know what album that is. It's classic Migos. They literally say, Something, 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 Zaxby's. If you even get an ad lib of Zaxby's, that's how good Zaxby's <laughs> is. Zaxby's literally was good enough to be included in the song that I'm pretty sure charted to the top 100. It's Canes, except for you can put the sauce immediately on it. So shout out them. I will give them that shout out. Underrated. Okay. So I'll, I'll relate this to sports too. What makes Lamar Jackson so special? I would say his elusiveness. His elusiveness and the fact that he's really good at doing. He, yeah, he can run, but he's a quarterback, right? He can so kind of do whatever. He plays multiple positions. There you go. Yeah, he can do whatever you need. So what makes what makes Jokic an MVP? He's a center. Yeah, he's a center pass. that passes, he shoots. I mean, he plays every position. He can do anything. So tell me why I can pull up to Jack in the Box and get a very high-quality taco, in my opinion. Like, it's not <laughs> – Oh, my God. But it is something – they're doing everything on the court, man. I need a chicken sandwich on the court, on the field. It doesn't matter. They could probably play any sport. If I need a chicken sandwich, I got a jack in the box. Probably give me a no-look dime. Amazing. I need a burger, buttery jack, number one on the menu. Perfect. <laughs> if I sit there, I need some tacos. Guess what? You want them big or we can give a mini to you too? Undefeated. They got great versatility. I can get all that for like six bucks. Feel like a king. It's an amazing place. I even shouted out jack in the box to my brother's man speech they're they're just they're underrated there they move around on all facets so i love them all right overrated my most overrated fast food restaurant a lot of people are going to give me hate for this but it is canes i absolutely cannot stand that place i mean i'll I'll get it here and there but that it's a fraudulent how one they say their chicken is amazing that chicken sucks it's it's like hard when you chew it now, Chick-fil-A, on the other hand, that thing melts in your mouth. You take a bite, it melts in your mouth, it goes down smoothly, and everything works. That The chicken from Cane's is, is fraudulent. It probably doesn't even pass FDA regulations. It's probably made of pink goo or something like, like McDonald's chicken nuggets are. But I'll say their fries are good. I'll probably still give it to Chick-fil-A. Their fries are a lot better as waffle fries, but... Ones, I think Cane's... I'm not a big sauce fan, so I haven't tried Chick-fil-A sauce. I haven't tried cane sauce but just eating it regular i i don't think it's i don't think it's great their chicken does not taste up to par of what other people think a lot of people will go there smack a caniac combo or something people go for the, the three finger combo is what gets me i don't know who who in their right minds would 
want a three finger combo? Like, why is that even available? Maybe your girlfriend's going to get it. So she doesn't act like she's eating that much food. But at the end of the day, you might as well just get the damn box combo, throw in a high C for, for a chance. And you got yourselves a deal, but very overrated. In my opinion, the best thing there is their fruit punch high C their chicken sucks. The fries are decent. Um, the services in Kansas city is always late for instance, and their dining room is never open. So for that, as a, as on Shark Tank, they would say, I'm out. Okay, I have a legitimate question. Because you remember, you remember good old Taylor Martinez, right? Yeah, I do. Heck of a quarterback. Heck of a quarterback. But if – okay, now I won't even say Taylor Martinez. You can, you can relate with this too. It's the same situation. 2018 Titans, one of the best teams I can remember. They lost the Chiefs. They had the same struggle. They were amazing at running the ball. Probably the best in the league. But any time they were trailing and they needed to pass, they couldn't get you done because they were only good at doing one thing. And because of that, it's like, okay, you're great, should be up there. But the fact that you're only good at one thing means you shouldn't be on the high tier level with all the goats, you know, Kansas City Chiefs of that year. Thinking back with they beat the Ravens, so can't say the Ravens. But, you know, one of those higher tier teams, same with Taylor Martinez, heck of a college quarterback. But anytime Nebraska was struggling and they needed Taylor to use his arm, that's what kept him out of the NFL. That's what kept him from being top dog. And that's what makes Chick-fil-A so overrated for me. What? I'm sorry. I know people are going to hate me for that. Chick-fil-A is just very one-dimensional. It's a lesser Popeyes, and it's more expensive. Popeyes can go ahead and give me shrimp. They can give me stuff on the side. Chick-fil-A is the most useless NFL venue in American history. Probably the most useless professional venue in American history because it's in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. That's, that's Atlanta, right? Or is that New Orleans? Either way. It's in, the, it's in the Falcon Stadium. Let's say Falcon. <laughs> it's closed every game of the year, except <laughs> for Monday night football. That is so pointless. They got a Chick-fil-A just so people can stare at it because that's how amazing they thought Chick-fil-A is. Oh, it's so great that we can just look at it. I hear it getting compared to Popeye's. Popeye's can give me shrimp. If I'm hungry and it's a Sunday afternoon, the Eagles, I can't say the Eagles lost. I don't even know what that's like. I'll pretend I'm a fan of another team. My team loses. I just want to get good, pick me up, get some good food in me. I can't go to Chick-fil-A. They're not available for me. They're not there when I need them in the clutch. This is the Phoenix Suns of the fast food industry. This is Chris Paul. I just can't ride with them. They are very good during the regular season, Monday through Saturday. But when I need you in the clutch, when it's playoff time, when it's Sunday, when I'm feeling down, where are you? Clothes. Where are your workers? At home. Where are Popeyes? They're in the building, man. And that's why they have food that's worth trying. So Chick-fil-A, overrated. I got to close it out with that. I know people are going to hate me for that. My boldest take I'll probably ever say on this entire show, which is wild because it's not sports related. But yeah, um, any honorable mentions? Any any final statements? I have all my pieces upset, except for Chick-fil-A is a little overrated too, but I'm not going to get hurt. I don't know. I, I love your points there about they're there in the preseason, not there in the postseason. It's very upsetting that they're not there on Sundays. But actually, I'll give one shout out. Not a ch- not a fast food chain at all, but it's 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 a form of can it's candy that it would be my go to when I was playing basketball. If I was if I was a little needed a little pick me up at halftime for losing, which didn't really happen much, but needed a little pick me up. Sour Skittles, sour Skittles were my go to. It was like you have a handful of those things. And it's like, you're on a next level of something probably put up 30 that second half because you feel some type of way, but 
I mean, those things hit a different way. I'll have to shout out to them. Not a fast food chain at all, but I mean, it, whatever I'm doing, I always try to have Skittles and hands. I mean, feel the rainbow. You can't, can't do anything about it. So. Led the Marshawn Lynch Seahawks to the Super Bowl. So how could we say? Yeah. Um, I, have no, I have nothing else to say except for I like sour skills too. Thank you so much for everybody who tuned in. Uh, like I said, new episodes every Thursday and we we're presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. And we're glad we were able to start our weekend off with you guys. Um, we will have social medias active soon enough. So then you could maybe reach out to us, maybe message some stuff you want to see. And this will always be available on YouTube every single week. Thank you so much. Uh, anything else, Spence? No, uh, have a good weekend. Let's be tuned for some NFL this Sunday. Maybe the Eagles could go 5-0. Sure.